When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Everybody knows what it is. Everybody knows what it is. Everybody knows Hello guys and welcome back to what's going to be a bouncing edition of the last word on Spurs. Now before we get into the weekend's action which saw Spurs beat West Ham at their council tip. Just a reminder for you that we are going to be on Love Sport Radio on Thursday night. So a change of plan we are going to be on Thursday night to review hopefully Spurs beating PSV in the Champions League. Now as always we're going to be on the show between the hours of 7pm to 9pm in the UK. That's 7pm to 9pm in the UK. And of course, if you've got any questions you want to go with on the show, anything you want to tell us, anything Tottenham Hotspur related, I'm sure there'll be much to cover on the back of that PSV game, then you can contact us. You can do that by calling us on the number of 0208 702558. That's 0208 702558. And of course, if you are calling from outside the UK, you just need to simply stick plus 44 in front of that number. Now, the show, as always, is going to be live on both 558am and DAB Radio. That's 558am and DAB Radio. And, of course, the last one on Spurs on Love Sport is, of course, live on the website and via their app. Now, of course, you can find us here at Last One on Spurs on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. So, across all the usual social media platforms, we have now also got ourselves on Spotify. So, go and check that out. That should hopefully be up in the next couple of days. But, as always, enjoy the show. And off we go. Joining us on the last word on Spurs tonight, delighted to have him back alongside us on the show. It's the returning Jason McGovern. Jace, how are you? I'd sooner be the other side of the world still, mate, but I'll have to put up with you boys tonight, that's for sure. Oh, I can't believe that, Jace. You're kidding me. You're not telling me you'd rather be here? 
No, it's, there's something about those beaches that just, just about weighed it in that favour. But it was nice to come back and win a London derby straight away. So, uh, yep, looking forward to it now, mate. Just the beaches, Jase. Uh, one or two other spots are quite <laughs> quite enjoyable, but uh, enough for that, I think. I bet, I bet. Well, joining Jace on the show tonight, delighted to have him also back on the show, a regular in John Manning's. Of course, he's back for West Ham. John, how are you? I'm good, mate. I'm just glad that I've made it back on before uh, before the world's ended, because I, I was sure that that was coming after what happened on Saturday. <laughs> I, I, I just I couldn't see that the world was going to be going on for too much longer with a, a Mella winner and a Sissoko monumental performance I thought I better tell the family I love them and you know go and rip go and uh, quickly rip the head off quickly and have some fun and then uh, wait for the world to implode but yeah we're still here so I'm quite happy yeah and full of joy as we know the uh, the smoke bombs the bubble machines absolute scenes in the West Ham and you must have loved that oh mate it's they, they, do you know what They're, they are the gift that keeps on giving aren't they West Ham they, they just can't help themselves Especially now that West Ham United Batman, you know the bloke, remember he, he put that video out in the summer, he has completely disappeared now. He's in a bunker somewhere with Osama Bin Laden's remains, I think, somewhere. Oh, John. Well, Jordan, John and Jace tonight, we're delighted to have this guy on the show, a returning guest to the last one on Spurs, in George Sessions, a correspondent for the Ham and High. George, how are you? Yeah, I'm really good, thanks, mate. Very, very happy to be talking about a win in the uh, in West Ham's Cup final. If West Ham's we, we Cup way. final, we do, we still do. I mean, the way they kind of reacted, you think it was their Cup final with the smoke bombs at the end, George? Wasn't you? The bubble machines going off. Oh, like John said, that was absolutely brilliant. I absolutely loved that. Just uh, you see the smoke bomb, and then you see your bubbles, and then, and then you see the offside <laughs> flag. It's perfect. Just when you think they couldn't outdo themselves, they always manage to find a way every single season. Bless them. As John said, the gift that keeps on giving. Jace, back on the show. Only right to start with yourself. So Spurs did capitalise on both Man United and Chelsea dropping points earlier on the Saturday afternoon. And just like the win over Cardiff, Jace, the West Ham win, it wasn't pretty. But this person in the past, Jace, as you know, have been accused of not being able to win ugly. And you would say we've got about it again along with, you know, a second Premier League clean sheet in a row. What did you make, Jace, of the win over West Ham at the weekend? Well, as you said, it, it definitely wasn't a, a pretty win, but um, we've got used to them this year, let's be fair about it. And and it is a good sign. You know, every other club gets praised for winning ugly and, and they talk about it being a sign of sign of a good side and a sign of champions. And yet Tottenham do it. It's just, oh, well, Tottenham were, were lucky and didn't play very well. And Jermaine Genius's words the, the start of the year that Tottenham only win when... They, they play well. He's, he's making him look an even bigger fool than he was wearing a white shirt most of the time. But um, no, it was uh, it was really good to, to get that result because they, they'd had a, a couple of decent results of late, hadn't they? But with, with stopping Chelsea and beating Man United and playing quite well. And, and let's be fair about it, they, they made some decent signings on the surface with the Yarmolenkos and people like that coming in. And, and it was good to see him go off injured. But um it was a, a back-to-the-wall second half, but that's a character that sides have to have. And Hugo, after a couple of dodgy games, was back to his imperious best. And it was, you know, it was a day for one or two of the unsung players, wasn't it? Musa Sissoko had a good game. Lamella's good streak continued. And when you think, you know, last year we'd have all said our best team, Yan would be in it, uh, Dembele would be in it. And then Sonny, you'd have Son, Son, Ali and Ericsson behind Kane. And none of those have even started. And so when... When people always talk about the lack of depth in our squad, no, it may not be as good as others, and we may want it to be stronger. But I think somebody said, called it a pathetic squad, and you think, well, you know, perhaps you better review that, mate, because it's hardly 
a pathetic squad, is it? Because we, you, you know, you wouldn't be winning the games that we are if we, if it was. Mm. JJ said there about you know the fat Spurs are winning ugly and about Jermaine Genius. To be fair, JJ normally speaks sense half the time, but as you said, those comments are coming back to haunt him. But Jace, out of the seven games of the nine we've won, you probably only argue we've only played really well in just that second half performance against Manchester United. Apart from that, like you said, we haven't really hit our peak. And like you said there, I think it's no, something I... we should be really excited about, the fact we haven't yet seen think, this well... Tottenham team arrive. I thought we played pretty well against Fulham, in fairness. I mean, we could have had a, a lot of goals. That, we dominated that first half against Fulham. They had that little 15 minutes at the start of the second half, and then we, we kind of ran away from the game. I think for 75 minutes, we played pretty well against Fulham. But as, you're right, other than that and that second half at Man United, but the fact that we've, we've ended up with a, you know, with, a, with the best start we've ever had and having not played well, I think says, says a lot for the players. It says a lot for the character and... We don't know the effects of the of the World Cup and how, how burnt out mentally or how physically tired those players are. So I think all the time we're winning games, you just, you know, you might have to accept a, a few dodgy performances. But as long as you're picking up the three points, I don't really care about it, mate. Mm, totally agree with that. But let's come round to you, John. I know you love this fixture. So five London derby wins in a row for Tottenham Hotspur for the first time since 1961. You would argue, though, John, although we're not still killing off games, most importantly, we are picking up the points. That's what it's all about, mate. You know, we've had plenty of times down the years where we, we would be able to, you know, we'd, we'd have a few moments a season to enjoy where we'd win games where on paper perhaps we shouldn't do, but we would then... You know, we wouldn't pick up enough points and we'd end up finishing 10th. Well, this is the time where, as Jade just said, you know, we are we are picking up well loads of points at the minute without playing, you know, anywhere as near as well as you'd think we, we could manage to do. But the thing is, like, the, the, the fact that, there, in my opinion, there has been a bit of a World Cup hangover. There has been a lot of, you know, like I said to you a few weeks ago, there's been a lot of muscular injuries which have kept players out which suggests to me that there's a bit of fatigue floating around the squad still. So the fact that we've had all this to cope with, as well as, you know, no new signings, no new stadium just yet, all that kind of stuff. <clears throat> it, it, You know, I'm proud of the way that we're performing at the minute and long may it continue. I, I, listen, I'm not one of these that's, that, you know, it to me, honestly, it doesn't matter how well we play. As long as we're winning, hmm. you know, like Harry Wink said, we won't remember the kind of war of attrition that it was on Saturday. But at the end of the season, we'll remember the three points. And that's that's the most important thing. And it always will be. Spot on, John. And you make the point there, John, about, you know, the World Cup hangover. Just to, you know, make you know clear here, no team in Europe had more representatives in the World Cup semi-finals than Spurs. No team in Europe brought fewer players to the transfer window. And no team in the Premier League have had more injuries since the beginning of August than Spurs. It has been, I think, you know, an incredible start to the season. Bearing in mind, we haven't even got home at the moment. So you have to take that into consideration. And coming over to you, George, you know, I don't think it can be overlooked the credit Mauricio Pochettino deserves here to maintain what is still our best ever start to a Premier League season, George. Yeah, I was just about to say that. He deserves so much credit, doesn't he? I know we get stuff wrong every now and then, sort of, you know, selection-wise, and you know, we sometimes criticise him, don't we, that he's a little bit slack with substitutions. But I think this year he's been, um, he's been pretty good with that. And I even think about Saturday's game, you know, I don't know how it's going to work out, but I mean, I think he was so clever to not actually use Ericsson or Dembele other than for the last few minutes in the end. And he brought one Lorente as well, so Sonny's going to be completely fresh now for PSV on Wednesday. And I think... He is, um, he, I think somebody in the Daily Mail today wrote a story about, I think it might have been Adam Crafton, about how he's, he's the Premier League manager at the moment who is doing the best job. And I, I don't think you can disagree with that too much because, 
you know, we've had so many away games. Even the home games are away games. That's it. Mm. We've played some decent sides as well. You know, Liverpool and, and I mean United not in the best of form, but you know they've still went to Chelsea on Saturday and drew. So that's two two decent sides. We only lost to one of them, and the Watford defeat was a frustrating one, I think, for everyone. But you know. If, Aside from that, I think he's done a very good job again, and, and that's not even talking about the number of injuries we've had because you know I think we've got more injuries at the moment than we've actually had home games this season, which is unbelievable. <laughs> well, it's funny you say it, George. I mean, you look at injuries now: Wanyama, Eriksson, Dembele, Deli Ali, Danny Rose, Jan Vertonghen, and Serge Aurier. Still, you would argue not all fully fit, and just two points off Liverpool and City in first and second, respectively. And like I said, this is about even having a bloody stadium, George. And the thing is, if you take Aurea out of that, that those players you just mentioned were all number one first choice in yep. the what season? Two seasons ago, I think when we when we come second to um, to mm. Chelsea. So I think it just goes to show you, doesn't it, how, how well this squad is coping? And I know people obviously wanted us to sign players in the summer, but I think we are sort of seeing now that actually, you know, maybe we didn't. Okay, we probably could have done with one or two, but I think people were going a bit overboard saying we needed five or six. I think now we're sort of seeing the benefit of actually a bit of a settled squad. You've got Lucas, who's had a whole pre-season. We've got a new Lamella completely compared to what we had last year. So I think in, in that sort of point of view, I don't think... I think Pochettino was looking at those type of players and thinking, I don't really need to go out and sign as a half for 60, 70, 80 million because I've got those two lads here raring to go. And then obviously if they do burn out at some point, come Christmas time, hopefully you're going to have an Ericsson that's fresh and an Ali that's fresh. Agree with that, spot on. Well, just to kind of say some of the stats out there, some great stats. Spurs have won now nine out of our last 11 Premier League games. We've won as many Premier League games at the London Stadium than West Ham had all season. So enjoy that one, Hammers. Um, one successive league games at West Ham for the first time since August 2009. And as we said, five successive top-flight London derby wins for Spurs for the first time since January 1961. Now, we've got some questions in, and guys, as always, the show is all about you out there that listen, so we want to try and get through as many as we can. So, Jason, I'm going to come round to you. Ilhan asked the question at G-S-T-F-L-I-H-A-N. We won once again, won ugly, with all of these difficult circumstances and we are now just two points from the top. Does it mean that this season is the end of being Spursy? For example, 1-1 West Brom, or is this just luck and the following games will tell us more? What do you make of that question, Jace? <laughs> no, it's not luck, but... You know, I, I think the word Spursy will come about, you know, we could win 24 straight games and we'd <laughs> slip up, you know, by the law of averages, you're going to slip up one day and it, it could be, a, you know, you'd slip up in a 1-1 draw at Brighton and everyone just immediately throws the word at you. You know, that, that word will never die off or we'll lose a cup tie away at Swansea or something like that and everyone will just just jump on it. I mean, you know, it's not luck that you keep winning these games. You're grinding it out and you're showing defensive qualities that, that you have to do. And, you know, teams that win the league, they don't just show qualities going forward. They do show that that mentality. They do show that that defensive awareness and that to, to keep clean sheets and to grind points out. You know, Chelsea have done it brilliantly for years and get get lots of credit for it so no it's not lucky but no i don't think you'll ever ever lose the word spursy mate john let me come around to you another question from senk at fours a year to regular listener senk i hope you're well john senk says us as a collective team haven't gone into our second gear yet compared to last season is this sign good for the team and it shows that we can win games regardless of our current situation yeah absolutely i think you know as 
as we keep saying, is in years gone by, it would have been everyone would have been saying, "Oh, it's a sign of a good team." Maybe it's because you know it's Tottenham and we're not the media's, we're not media darlings like some other clubs. But listen, it's <coughs> Liverpool. Sorry. Well, yeah, you know, you know, I'm talking about there, obviously. But the thing is, it's, it's again, it's one of them where as long as we do actually get into second gear at some point, you know, hopefully. Um, in Eindhoven and then obviously we've got a really tough one on Monday night next week against Manchester City so those will be those will be you know real real tests because you know if, if we don't win or if we lose in Eindhoven then you're probably talking about Europa League football in the new year at best and then if you you know if we lose on Monday night next week then we're five points off the top if we win then we're one point in front of Manchester City after 10 games which no Incredible, one on the planet crazy. probably would have seen mm. well yeah but no one would see that coming and then we'd still have people say oh you've only played well in one game well alright then we'll take that as long as we don't you know <laughs> if we can play play shite for 38 games and win them all I'd be quite happy well, with that we're not going on job believe me <clears> it's, just a, it's just a tired narrative mate that gets thrown at us all the time it frustrates me because you know, like like I said, in any time before any other club, it's a sign of a good team. But because it's us, it's ain't to be, you know. Oh well, they've not had any new signings. I, I really do strongly agree with what George said. That that the fact that we've got the same squad still pretty much, when we've, and we have had for the last two years, minus Lucas, means that there's a strong sense of cohesion and understanding amongst the players. And when you've got a lineup like the one that went out and grinded out a win at West Ham on Saturday there's nowhere near our best 11 you're probably five or six players short and we still managed it still looked pretty assured at the back although Hugo pulled off a couple of really good saves and without playing spectacular football or blowing them away I think we only had actually had two shots on target but we managed to win 1-0 so the most important statistic at the end of it was West Ham United nil Tottenham Hotspur 1 and I promise you guys, they're coming into the game very, very shortly. Let's just throw a couple more questions around, guys. You get some into us. We want to try and cover as many as we can. George, this question is from Josh underscore Doe, who says, do you think the fact we just sit two points off top spot, despite not playing at our best, bodes well for the rest of the season? Or do you fear that we could be opening ourselves up to a heavy defeat and a bad run later down the line? What do you make that one, George? Uh, I, I can't see us having a bad defeat and a bad run down the line up. The only thing I'm slightly worried about is whether around Christmas time, a lot of these players that were, were involved in the World Cup are going to sort of hit the red zone. And then, you know, you've got so many games only over that period. I, sort of, I, I worry that that could happen. But then on the flip side, I think we've got enough players that didn't play lows at the World Cup to be able to cover that. You know, people like Lamella and Lucas, as I mentioned before. Um, no, I think it's only a positive, isn't it, really, to, be, to have 21 points after nine games and as we've all said, what well, we've had a really good 45 minutes at Old Trafford and, you know, okay, perhaps a Fulham, Fulham game. Besides from that, we've not really got into, what, an 8 out of 10 as a team performance. It's mainly been sevens. But um, I know we're going to talk about West Ham a bit further on, but I think a lot of people are sort of looking at that West Ham result and, you know, you've seen the highlights of the match today and you see the chances that West Ham have second half. But what you don't see is the amount of times and the sort of, the couple of the three, four minutes, five minutes periods where Spurs kept the ball so well, especially Harry Winks, and I'm sure we'll talk about it more later on. But I think what really impressed me about Saturday was how professionally we managed that game. There's sort of slight moments where West Ham were just building a bit of momentum, and then all of a sudden, you know, Winks got on the ball. He'd play it to die. We'd keep it for five minutes, and we'd kill the crowd. And I think I've not seen a Spurs side do that as well as I did in that second half on Saturday for a long time. So I think. For me, that's a really encouraging sign going forward, I think. 
Jace, let's come back round to you to discuss the lineup from the weekend. So, Lamella was finally rewarded with his first Premier League start of the season as Dyer and Winks were Spurs' central midfield pairing following their heroics for England in that win over Spain. Dembele, Eriksen and Aurea were only deemed fit enough for the bench with Son also an option. What did you make of the lineup, Jace? I thought, I thought with Sonny being on international duty and with Ericsson having been out, it was probably the side that you would have expected, really. I don't think he was particularly with one eye on, on PSV and the need to, to win that game. So I suppose the only, the only one that I never quite know is whether Dembele will start or not. But other than that, it's, it's pretty much the line-up. You know, the, Danny Rose obviously pulled out of England duty, which which pushed uh, Ben Davis into a start. So there wasn't, there's, there's not a lot really you can do to change that at the moment. And it looked probably just about as strong a side as, as we could throw out there in view of the fact that, as I say, players aren't fully fit or they're only just coming back from injury. Mm. John, coming around to you, I mean, I thought when you saw the team line-up, a little common sense would tell you that if Ericsson and Dembele were considered in Pochettino's mind to be fit enough to play from the start, then both players would have arguably been been picked ahead of Sissoko on the day. I mean, Son only making the bench, you'd probably argue, was due to the fact, John, that he came back very late from international duty for South Korea. Yeah, I think like Jay said, I think it was more or less the team I expected because you... You know, Ericsson's been out for well longer than he's ever been out for since he was since he's been a Tottenham player, I think. And you know what it's like when Dembele, you've got a, you know, because because you've got this, you know, this period that we're entering now is ridiculously busy. If you think, you know, we've been within the next week and a day or week and two days, we've got three games. Obviously, Wednesday and then Monday and then Wednesday again next week. So it's a it's a mad run of games. And you think, obviously, we know Dembele needs to be managed properly. So yeah, no major surprises to me. Apart, you know, apart from the fact that when you consider that, you know, Eric Lamella scores a header from a Musa Sissoko <laughs> left-footed cross, we've got Harry Redknapp going on. I'm a celebrity. <laughs> Mike Pennant was on Jeremy Kyle. All we need now is Andy Reid on Man vs. Food and Marcus Alonso on Tokyo. Ready to well, you know, if if that happens, I'll, I'll be ready to get off this planet. I think because I. I, I Things are getting a bit weird at the minute, Rick. It's confusing me. The one-liner as <laughs> John Madden's continues. Superb, John. <laughs> actually, Rick, just just on that, I mean, if, if you remember rightly, Musa Sissoko is a is a bit of a hoodoo for West Ham because last year when we won there, I think yeah, they scored. they picked him out. Yeah, yeah. He, he scored in the cup tie right. against them, and I think mm. the game at at the uh, council tip was was when uh, he got. You know, shown on match of the day as man of the match, and they, you know, the contribution he made. So it's, you know, it's not a surprise to see him play well against them. Perhaps mm. that's what it needs to be: just every team in claret and blue, and let him play Burnley and Aston Villa and West Ham, and then then we're 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 well happy, mate. I've got a bigger section, guys, on Sissoko that we're going to go into very shortly, I promise you, because I just want to get everyone's overall thoughts just on him. But before we do that, I just want to come back round to you, George, just in terms of the lineup. We've got another question in here from Kevin Veek, at Kevin Veek, who says, when Delhi and Ericsson are back fully fit, does Lamera beat Mora and Son for a start in position? What do you make of that one, George? I think a lot of it will depend on the opposition, um, because, for example, Man City, I'd, I'd have Lamella rim because I... I think that's the sort of game where you see him deliver it. He does like a big goal, I, I feel personally anyway. And, and his pressing in that type of game would be key. Um, but then if you've got, say, for example, someone like, I know we've had him already, but Cardiff at home, I, I'd probably think a Sonny or, or more would be more suited to that game because you'd want their pace just going at the, the fullback all day long. Whereas, um, 
whereas with a city or, or a bigger club, you, you sort of need that tracking back as well. So I don't think it's as simple as just saying Lamella's banging form. He has to start every game, and, and as we know with him as well, he's had so many. Well, he's had so many injuries at, at Spurs. But I mean, he's had so much trouble, hasn't he, over the last sort of two years. I think it is a case of managing him as well. So um, it's a bit of a tricky one, that. Agree, George. I think a lot of it, as you said there, I think it will come down to the opposition. Now, just moving on, chaps, the first half, really, apart from the goal, wasn't a standout, really. But just coming back round to you, Jace, in that first half, we saw a wonderfully timed tackle from Tony Adavirold on Anatovic to, not, to really deny him from advancing into our penalty area. And then another crucial interception in that first half. I mean, Adavirold, Jace, what's your verdict on him at the moment? Because we obviously heard the comments when he was away on international duty. But on the field, Jace, he's once again showing that kind of calmness, composure under pressure to make those last-ditch challenges. Would you agree at the moment he's in fine form for Tottenham? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, none of us, even when I, I said in the summer we should sell him, none of us will ever dis- deny that when he's on the pitch and playing, you've got an absolutely magnificent defender and quite possibly the best one in the in the Premier League. That <clears throat> The problem will come because of the contract and he's not signing it and, and things like that. And going into the season, when you looked at last year, with Pochettino seemingly not wanting to play him, then, you know, I always said at the time, if, if what's the point of waving goodbye to 60 million if, if you're not going to play a player? What's happened is he is now starting to pick him and he is playing regularly. And so, you know, let's 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 enjoy him for the for the rest of the of the time we've got him. But obviously, you know, I, I still think we'll we'll see him go at the end of the year. But you know, let's let's make the most of him for the for the rest of the time we've got him. Agree with that. Well, listen, let me come back around to you, John. So it is time to talk about Sissoko. We've had a, a more of a statement come in here. And this is from Jared Borman, who says, For all the ridicule Sissoko takes, please spend some time on the pod raving about his complete performance against West Ham. Brilliant. So that is exactly what we are going to do. Now, John, I want to start with you because on Sissoko, you know, I made my thoughts clear really on him that you know, I just think he's been rightly criticised at times. However, you have to acknowledge that that was probably his best performance in a Tottenham shirt at the weekend. And of course, the opinion, it's not going to suit all agendas, but it's only right, John, as a Tottenham player, when he plays well, to praise him, isn't it, John? Oh, yeah, mate, absolutely. Listen, I, I was, you know, I was really happy that he, he put that performance in. When you consider that the fact that we're playing away at West Ham, you know that they're, you know, all right, they've got a little bit of flair and skill, you know, towards the top of the pitch. But when they're still relying on players like Mark fucking Noble, you know that they're <laughs> you're gonna have to you're gonna have a. It's just a shame Wilshere didn't play in it really. But yeah, it's, you know, you're gonna have a little bit of a battle. And Sissoko was more than up for it. And I think the fact that he had the the highest pass percentage completed completed pass percentage rather on the pitch, I believe, out of any player during the game, it says it all. We was in control. We had a couple of nice little flashes, a couple of nice little touches where his his first touch took him into space, and then obviously, you know, his party piece with the the assist, which I couldn't actually believe at the time, where <laughs> he, he cuts in onto his left foot, and you go, well, that oh, you go, that this one's dead. And if you if you see the the replay from the opposite touchline, Lucas Mora starts to run in from the left, and I, I'm telling you now, have a look, everyone who's not seen this, as Sissoko cuts in onto his left foot. Lucas just stops and he goes, fuck this, nowhere near making I'm giving it up. And, and then, obviously, uh, Eric Lamella's perfectly timed run. Um, yeah, it was, a, it was a lovely cross. And, listen, Sissoko was... He, he's got a... Unless he wants to be one of these players that 
whose career just peters out into nothing now. He's 29. He's not a baby anymore. He needs to sort of make an impact because, it, and if he doesn't do it at Tottenham, he's got to do it somewhere else and be pretty quick about it because you'd say that he's, although he's probably in his prime, his best years are certainly behind him. So if he's going to make anything of the last few years of his career, then he's got to start putting in performances like this on a more regular basis. And mm. it's so good to see him to see him doing it. Listen, I think he's been all right. I, I can't remember, honestly, the last time where I seen him playing full. You are just fucking terrible. And I know some people do see that because I think some people look for it, to be perfectly honest. That's the thing, George. Some of them out there, they'll always highlight the bad rather than the good. You could have, a, you could have an all right game, but it'll always be the bad points highlighted rather than the positive points. Absolutely. I think against Cardiff, I think he played all right and there was quite a bit of hate for him online. And I think sometimes you just have to, you know, you have to consider the fact that he's not really had a, a massive run of games or he's not the... He's not the most important of players at Tottenham. And obviously at Newcastle, when he left, he was captain and he was, you know, an important cog for, all right, albeit a side that got relegated. But they, you know, that you've got to consider that. that the fact that he's a bit part player, all right, you think if he's not happy with that role, then don't sign for us in the first place. But any player, I defy any player who's 27, as he was when we signed him, who gets a nice big contract, you're not going to turn it down. If you think... You know, there's been plenty of players over the years that have been paid big wages to do next to nothing, and Sissoko's not one of them. He's not because when he's, you know, when he comes in, I think he's a decent player. As Jay said, when we when we signed him, you don't get fifty odd caps for France if you shit. So let's hope he has another good game next time he plays, which I imagine will probably be um, at West Ham again, unless he plays in the Champions League or against Man City, depending on the fitness of the other players we've got ready to come back. But. Yeah, listen, he had a really good game, and we, yeah, we should celebrate it. It was he, he was very good. I thought Winks was very good, Lamella was good, and obviously Hugo Lloris was outstanding. So, a good performance all round, really. Although no one was a ten out of ten, <clears throat> a couple of really standout performances and a, and a good win for us to talk about tonight. The thing is, John, half half the people that that slate him nonstop and just 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 won't have anything. Half of those were the type of people that wanted us to sign Christian Benteke for thirty million. And, you know, is he any better than Moussa Sissoko? But, well, there's you know, a list won't have there, that, will they? There's, there's Sofiane Bouffal and players yep. like that as well. Yeah, so, there's people I'm, like that, you know, that have, have turned out to be brilliant players everywhere else. Exactly. Yeah, definitely. I tell you, Jason, as you're here, let's ask you a question. This is from... Let me get the question here. This is a really good question as well. This is from 75 Retro at 75 Retro. who says, Would our fans be speaking so highly of Sissoko's performance had West Ham equalised after he needlessly gave away the ball, allowing Cresswell in to cross and Hugo to save Brindley? I'm glad he played well, but for me, it wasn't a flawless performance. Thoughts on that, Jace? No, it wasn't a flawless performance. And, th- and that was a mistake that could have cost us. But... You know, other players can make mistakes and get away with it. You know, but mm. but as soon as you're right, and people do want to look at Musa Sissoko and, and and jump on something. You know, if if the four of us sat here and named our strongest side, none of us will pick Musa Sissoko in it. I don't know anyone that does. But what what I won't do is go online like I saw on his his uh, his feed when he's named in the side, and it says, "What are you doing in our side, you lump of dog shit?" And you think. You know, why do people want to post that before a game at a bloke? And, you know, it's just, just ridiculous, isn't it? And none of us want to see him in the side. None of us think he's good enough to play on our strongest side. But when he puts the shirt on and he takes the field, I just don't, don't see the point of screaming loads of abuse at him. And, and if you actually look at it, the one time when people stopped getting on his back last year, we had that little run of games where we won at Everton, 
3-0 and he played all right. We won at West Ham. He went to Madrid, did a job there, didn't That's he? That's right, yeah. Played in the second mm. game against Madrid, scored against West Ham in the Carling Cup and, and, and then came the, you know, Unis bell when you got Sissoko. So, and, all right, and a little bit of that is, I know he's done in jest, it was a little bit of mock, but at least people weren't screaming abuse at him. And surprise, surprise, the bloke actually put in okay performances. Not world-class performances, not brilliant, but he looked okay. And then I think he missed a one-on-one against Burnley just before Christmas. And then the piles of abuse came. And, th- and that's how it stayed again. And you think, you know, I mean, if Harry Kane misses an open goal, I know Harry's different because he has all the, the credit. But but sometimes, don't... He had that chance in against Barcelona, which he put in Rose Ed. And everyone kind of blames the Barcelona defeat on him. And you think, we let him four goals. Mm-hmm. You know, yep. We didn't lose to Barcelona because Moussa Sissoko fell Rose Ed. It's as simple as that. So, you know, just get off his back whilst he's playing and before a game. Just, you know, he's been our only fit midfield player for for pretty much, or, you know, our only fit central midfield player for a long time. And that's why he's played so many games. So when people say, why is he playing? Well, perhaps because Dembele's not fit and Winks is only just coming back and and things like that. And, And that's the body that has to play. You know what, James, you and John, you, know, you make the point about the online abuse he gets, but coming around to you, Jules, there seems to be different in terms of the actual way he's travelling support because for the second consecutive game, Sissoko got a standing ovation and the travelling fans sang his name as he left the pitch. So there's definitely some kind of different, isn't there, some different feeling between what you get online to the actual way travelling support, which we know with Spurs is always, I think the, the away support with Tottenham is one of the most loyal in the country. I mean, you wouldn't be able to tell with Spurs, even if we are contesting for a title or in a relegation battle when it comes to our away support, because it is amazing, isn't it, wherever we go to Tottenham fans. Yeah. I tell you what, our fans were bloody good on Saturday. Mm. Yeah, um, I know, it's, I know it's not the best of atmospheres, is it? The, um, the London Stadium, but our fans, pretty much from the first minute, were absolutely brilliant. And um, and then there was also a minute's applause, which they you know observed impeccably. To be mm. fair to us yep. as well, which is good to see. But throughout, they were singing excellently. But you know, what? it's not just the um, it's not just the away fans. I think that are sort of getting a little bit more on side with Sissoko because, as John mentioned before, he done pretty well against Cardiff and. Um, Correct me if I'm wrong, but I've got a feeling he got a pretty good applause when he Did. left the pitch then that's late right, in the yeah, game. Yeah. yeah, that's right. And even even before that, um, I was at MK Dons for the Watford game, and all right, he didn't have, he wasn't like an eight out of ten, but he was a seven against Watford, and he come off I think at around the hour mark, and again he didn't get you know he got decent applause for that. So I think he's stringing a couple of performances together. Um, Jace is right that Barcelona game, it wasn't down to him. I think he was a bit. Unlucky in a sense. He's an easy scapegoat, Jules, hot... isn't he? That's the problem. He seems to be a, such yeah. an easy scapegoat. Every, you know, down the years with Tottenham, and you'll notice as well. We always seem to find a player to target, don't we? We always seem to find yeah, one always. that is the weakest link, and we go at them and go at them and go at them until eventually they leave the club. Yeah, it always happens, doesn't it? And you know, he had he had a bit of a horror ten minutes against Barcelona, but it wasn't the reason we lost the game. But I think you have to look at his performance on Saturday, and you know, that is his type of game away from home. Not necessarily a derby, but against a sort of mid-table club where you need a bit of energy. <laughs> well, you, need, you need something. L- little dig there, but no. Relegation need, battling club, him. George. Relegation, two <laughs> points off the bottom. Come on, let's have it right. Very true, very true. But no, you, you need him for those sort of games. And, you know, at times, your Ericsson's, your Lamellas, your Moorish, your Sons, they aren't going to be able to do so in that game. Obviously, Lamella did. But, I mean, Sissoko, that is his type of game. And he delivered, and fair play to him. And I think... If he can carry on this form, then it will give Mauricio a nice little headache. He's not—you're not, not going to expect him to start against City on 
on Monday. But I mean, it's not it's not um, you know it's not the worst idea in the world now. But given how he's played over the last month. Mm. And just to give me a second, George, Georgie Lovelace sends in a question. Thanks for this one, Georgie. Has the psycho finally realised he's left-footed? <laughs> yeah, perhaps. But, you know, in on the other side, he was up against Felipe Anderson. It was absolutely <laughs> pony all game. So, I don't know. I'm not sure if uh, if he'll be doing, if we'll be able to cut inside as easily as he, as he did on Saturday. Jace, going into the goal of the game, or say the only goal of the game, wasn't it? So let's discuss it because let's discuss the build up to it because brilliant work from Sissoko who made a run down the right flank, cut back inside, cross for Lamella, who headed in from close range, and Jace Lamella's fifth goal in seven games. I mean, this Lamella Jace we're seeing. Now, I'm gonna make a point here that, you know, he's showing signs of being that match defining footballer that we thought we had signed in 2013. You remember the hype. When we got this guy in, he was going to be the next bail. He was going to be the guy that was going to you know, lead us forward, carry this Tottenham team. You know, And also scored five and assisted three in his last eight games this season for Tottenham. In his fifth season at Spurs, do you think, Jace, rewarding him with that contract as we've done in the summer, probably has been, and George actually wrote about this, probably been the shrewdest move we could have ever done with Lamella? Yeah, certainly. Uh, I think now he's... he's, he's got rid of those injury problems and he's I think he probably realises now that uh, precious football is to you when, you when you're out for so long and you have long-term injuries two or three times I think you you try and make the most of every possible minute you've got I think you know he's, he's settled off the pitch there was always the the rumours about him wasn't there off the pitch and he's never settled in London and things but he's had a young family and that and I think you're just seeing a, a more mature more confident player uh, I've always said that he needed that big defining goal in a in a derby or a, a massive game. He's now got that being the winning goal. So, and it was just great to see him really attacking the ball, wasn't it? I think that's that's the best bit of it. It was a similar goal to Kane's last year, and that he flicked that header into the same same end of the ground, same bottom corner that that Harry Kane scored in last year. And like I say, it's just good to see a, a player like that really attacking the six yard box. But He's, he's, he's in really good, confident form. His, his form is excellent because Sonny obviously hasn't scored for, what is it, 17 or, or 18 games. And with Delhi missing, we need to replace those goals in the team. And so Lamella scoring goals and, and stepping up to the plate is, is absolutely brilliant for the squad. Is indeed, and Lamella just on him. He's now scored as many Premier League goals this season as he's scored in the previous two seasons combined. Directly contributed ten goals in his last nine Spurs matches. Has also scored five goals in eight games for Spurs in all competitions this season. One more than he made in thirty-three matches last season. Now I want to come over to you, John, on Lamella because, as I said, I think we are witnessing now, John. This player in a Tottenham shirt that everyone told us to be excited about when we first signed him. He's in the form of his life. And he started to deliver us, John, for us week upon week. What have you made of Eric Lamella, this transformation of a player, John? Well, that's that's exactly what it has been. It has been a transformation. I think, you know, I said last week that maybe playing without pain and playing without injury for a sustained period of time, which he's managed so far this season, is making him realise, you know, that, he, he, that he's still got time on his side. He's 26. So he's still got time on his side, and he seems to have been at Tottenham for fucking forever. It has been quite I know, <laughs> forever been over five years. <laughs> oh, John! We're, we're only really like if if he'd have been, you know what he's what he's currently producing. If he'd have been producing that for the last five years, Jesus, God, what, what a player we would have had. Mm. We would have had on our hands. But like I say, he's still young enough for this to be, you know, for for you know maybe we get three or four years out of him now where he he. he becomes the player that we thought 
we'd signed. I think it's not unrealistic. I know I'm putting pressure on him already now, but it's not unrealistic if he carries on to score 20 plus goals this season. And it, you know, as Jay said, we've been without Son's goal scoring touch for since March or whatever it is. Delhi's obviously injured at the minute, so he's not able to contribute the, the amount that he normally would. And you think, you know, where there's pressure on other players to. to pop up and score, he's taken that squarely on his shoulders and he's performing really well. And the thing is with Lamella, you know, we, we never question his work rate and what he does defensively, but he's now managing to combine that mm. with, you know, some attacking threat and some goals and some assists. And even, you know, he scored some really good goals as well this season. He's, he's, his timing into the box on more than one occasion has been superb. I think even... Even that is in a losing cause. I think the goal against Liverpool was outstanding where no, he flicked it all the ball off his chest and then drilled it in from such an angle. But if he can, you know, start to become that player, then Jesus, we got you know, I'm not gonna say world beater, but we've got a really <laughs> good player in our hands there who's more than capable of, you know, popping up with a goal when, you know, Kane was quiet again on Saturday, didn't really have any chances really. And uh, you know, we just need him to sustain this now. It's a bit it's a bit like Sissoko and like we said earlier, you know, it's all well and good having one half decent game every now and then, but it's gotta be more often. And I think with Lamella all season, really, he's been at it, and hopefully, it continues for a long time. Mm, spot on. And come around to you, George. I mean, there is that argument now that is this the real Eric Lamella finally standing up? You know, a new four-year contract given in the summer, making him you'd arguably feel wanted again. And you'd have to say, George, at the moment, I mean, he's repaying that faith. You know, that Pochettino has shown in him because there's no argument, George. You've seen it over the course of when he's been here. There's definitely a player in there. You can see glimpses of it, but we haven't seen what we're seeing now, George, it being consistent week upon week. And you have to say at the moment, how could you even think about leaving this guy at the team? He's just been amazing. A transformation, as I said. Yeah, and when you when you think back, that his, his first goal of the season was against Liverpool... He's basically scored five goals in a month, which is you know <laughs> yes. that's Kane's sort of yeah. that's Kane's form, isn't it? Really, if we're being is, perfectly yeah, honest. Mm. So, um, and then also if you go back a little bit further, he scored twice against Leicester, didn't he? Last game of last season. That's right. Yep, spot on. His record overall is something like nine. I think it's, you know seven goals in nine games, which is something Kane would be proud of. But um, I don't know. It's a funny moment. I mean, I'm not just saying this. I've always been a fan of him um, because I did. I watched a bit of him when he was at Roma and I was one of many to be so excited when he came over. And I think a lot of us actually forget, you know, 21 years of age, he'd only been in Italy for two years. That's a, it's a big move, that. To, it's a big change as well to be that young and to come to a club, which, let's be fair, at the time, we were a bit of a crisis club, weren't we? You know, we had AVB, who was sacked early on, and we had Tim Sherwood in, in charge. So it was a bit of a a car crash season that and under Pochettino I think he's generally looked a good player because you know I think he was important when we when we was battling with Leicester for the title he played a lot of games that year and he didn't score loads of goals but I think he got double figures didn't he that season so I think during that period he was showing glimpses and sort of you know showing his potential to a, to an extent but I think now he's over that injury which is really what killed him because I think if he didn't get that injury, I think he could have been doing this a good two years ago, in my opinion, because I think he's got all the quality and, and all the attributes to do it. But like John said, I think hopefully he can carry this on. And, you know, I don't think it's it's in the realms of a possibility that he could go on there and score 20 goals this season if he is playing pretty much week in, week out. You know, he probably can't do three games a week, which is fair, but. You look at our sort of schedule coming up. You know, if you maybe bring him off the bench against PSV and then start him against Man City, that's, you know, I think that's manageable with him. And um, hopefully, like I say, he can just carry this on. But 
I do think he he really something I love about him is that although he's Argentinian, he just seems to get Spurs. For he does, me. doesn't he? You yeah, know, and get the derbies, he doesn't he? As well, he does. He, you know, the Wilshire last season, I absolutely loved that. I thought that was absolutely <laughs> the Fabregas as well. The situation at and, the yeah, yeah, Fabregas, and then mm. even on Saturday, you know, celebrated, you know, arms, you know, pointing to his shirt in front of the West Ham fans. He mm. does get Spurs yeah. and. He is, this is obviously his sixth season, isn't it, at Spurs? And um, you know, I think he's he's a bit underrated for me personally. And I'm glad that he's finally showing his his potential in front of goal because that's all that's been missing over the last couple of years when he has been fit. Mm, spot on. Just in terms, of you said there, George, about managing his workload. He actually has come out today and spoken to Ben Pierce, Spurs correspondent. Obviously, a big one. He says he's having to manage that and prioritise matches over training to ensure he does remain injury-free. And I think sometimes we forget, you know, Lee, who we have regularly on the show now, obviously on the on the radio as well, he says, you know, maybe we don't actually understand that injury he had in the summer, you know, the, the hip operation, having to overcome that. It was such a big thing psychologically for him to have to come back from that the way he has done. I mean, it has been amazing. And Pochettino said on Lamella at the weekend, we believe in him, we trust him. He's a player who's more mature after being here for six years. He's more relaxed, calmer in front of goal. And now we need to be more consistent and manage him in the best way. Well, at the moment, you've got to say, we are managing him in the best way, getting the most out of him. Now, before we do go along to Hugo Lloris, I just want to skip back to Sissoko for a second, because I did miss some crucial stats, and we love our stats on this show, if you don't remember now by now. Um, Sissoko has registered more assists than Felipe Anderson, Henrik Mkhitaryan, Mohamed Salah, Alexis Sanchez, Aubameyang, Marco Anatovic. Chase, you couldn't help, you have got to forgive me, I had to throw that one in, didn't I? Like we, like we said, just just get people just need to get off his back and, and just let the bloke play and worry about him after. The, if you want to criticise him after the game, criticise him afterwards. But just don't do it, you know. Just don't do it before and don't don't pile dog loads of abuse onto a player. That that's that's all, mate. Mm. Just stick in face for a second before we discuss Hugo. What did you make of that nasty challenge on Lucas Moura by Robert Snodgrass? I mean, I think it was highlighted by Alan Shearer on Match of the Day on Saturday night. It doesn't seem to have been picked up by many people, but to be fair, Jess, he was lacking this down the pitch, wasn't he? That was that was pretty. That was a pretty nasty tackle. Yeah, and uh, it was Martin Atkinson was the referee, wasn't it? He was mm. actually really close to it as well, and he had a perfect view of it. So, yeah, it was a it was a bit naughty one. I, I don't know if it was a, a a deliberate thing or he was just you know Lucas Moura was just purely too quick for him. And and that can happen when a player's so quick, can't it? That he just he lunged in, and, and Lucas Moura's kind of already made that first move, and he caught, but he caught him right on the bottom. And you know, I'm just it's not so much I, I want him sent off. I'm just always when you see a thing like that, you're just grateful that the player's able to get up and, and carry on because we certainly can't afford another one of those those three behind Kane to pick up a long term injury. That's for sure. Spot on. Well, so let's discuss Hugo Lloris. Let's go into detail. Jay's going to come back and answer you shortly. But, John, let's come over to you. So, Hugo Lloris, for me, justifying that West Ham game. You know, those that doubt that tag he gets, John, of being called world-class, you know, not once, not twice, but three wonderful saves during the whole of that match, especially, John, that one in injury time to deny Arnautovic, where you'd probably argue he was second best, but his judgment there was spot on. John, back to his best, wasn't he, on Saturday? Hundred percent, yeah. I must admit, my ass was flapping a little bit when <laughs> it's, it's the last minute and it, it's only one nil. But yeah, he was he was imperious. I think Lloris is. Listen, he's had a. I don't think he's really had. Uh, he's had a couple of dodgy games where you know Barcelona. But is it because he was rushed back too quick? We don't really know. And obviously, this season, for the first time since he's been a Tottenham player, there's been a bit of off-field controversy about right. Hugo Lloris, yeah. which has obviously played a part. But yeah, he. 
because if there's a um, you know again I think he understands as well he knows what it's, he knows what it's all about them kind of games he's been there a long time like you say and he he really does get the whole the London derby thing and if it, you know we're up for it I'm sure he was up for it as well and he, he showed it and the performance that he put in was a captain's performance on a day where we really needed him to stand up and be strong because you know that they you know they're going to have chances West Ham they're not they're not obviously they're not very good obviously they're two points above the relegation zone but they always seem to <laughs> raise their game when they no I'm trying to make a serious point I know you are John <laughs> <laughs> I'm not really their shit no listen, <laughs> they, 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 they always seem to manage to um, up their game a little bit when they're playing better sides and I think that you always knew that we was going to get a little bit of um, you know there was going to be a period in the game where they'll have, they'd have a, a bit of a chance and to be fair they were probably much better than us in the second half I would say so the fact that Lloris comes out of it with a lot of credit is and and also obviously Sissoko Lamella as well was really good because it's players that have been a little bit under pressure and have had players come in in, in their in their place in, you know especially for Lloris where Gazaniga really couldn't do anything couldn't he never put a foot wrong did he and there was people you know clamouring for him to stay in the team so for Lloris to Come back and remind the world how good he is. You know, it was perfectly timed. And uh, I just want to say, for um, if, if, I, if I'm allowed to, about the tackle. Um, oh yeah, please do go. Yeah, podcast. please do. Yeah. I think the amount of times you hear, you know, when there's say there's an FA Cup game and it's a team, two teams, one's a, one's a Premier League team, one's a lower league team, and you often hear the commentator say, you know, the difference in speed between and quality <laughs> between Premier League and Championship players. Mm. Well, that's. That's pretty much what happened there. If you ask, if you're asking me, you got a Brazilian international and a Championship player going at it, and uh, that kind of stuff happens when you when you are a fucking hatchet man, but you're your, your country's best player, hatchet obviously man. being Scottish as well. Oh, dear. he's a uh, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm I'd rather Robert Snodgrass play for them than us, but yeah. Well, yeah. lucky Lucas was alright. As Jay said, could have been yeah. Enough. That could could have been really nasty. <laughs> yeah. John, don't hold back. Say how you really feel, yeah. <laughs> don't, don't hold back whatever you do do you know what it is Rick there's so many West Ham supporters I've got a couple of really good mates who are West Ham and they're good as gold I didn't mm. I didn't send any text messages and they wouldn't if they'd have beaten us but it's just them as a their fan base mm. you know 90% of their fan base are just absolute tosspots and I was just <laughs> for that reason it was just so nice to win that game because you know you're not going to get any of that you know their comebacks, and it was it was actually nice. I, I just want to say as well what a really good channel West Ham Fan TV is. I, I thoroughly yeah, they enjoyed are. that. They, they, yeah, they are yeah. quite honest. Mickey's I really actually a top bloke. I have to say, Mickey is a top bloke. I did I, I did enjoy the, mm. obviously the fact that they were they were all upset, bless their hearts. But yeah, it was it was nice to watch it. Mm. I enjoyed it. Yeah, well, you, got, you would enjoy, it, wouldn't you? I mean, let's come back round <laughs> to let's come back round to you, George. Get your thoughts on Hugo Lloris because obviously over the weekend we've seen Gazaniga now on the bench. Now you maybe argue that has that maybe had an effect on Hugo? The fact that you know Vaughan, you'd argue now is seen as the third choice. Gazaniga's kind of coming to that second slot where let's be honest, Gazaniga did nothing wrong really to lose his place in the team. It's only because Hugo Lloris is the captain of the club, he is the established number one that he's rightly come back in. But has that given you know any kind of I don't know any impetus? to Lloris now that he has to be on his game George and what was a fine performance on Lloris at the weekend yeah he was superb wasn't he um I guess it's probably played a little bit of a part I think there is obviously you know for me there's a there's a massive goal oh, yeah, yeah. between Gaz yeah. and Igor and Lloris mm. so you know I, I know what you're saying though obviously about his, he didn't do anything wrong there's a bit of competition right. though John you know generally from sorry George a bit of competition that can't do any harm for him having that competition there. yeah no Definitely, especially with you know we've seen from Vaughan, haven't we? That he's not. 
I don't want to slate him too much, but I do feel like when we've seen him play recently, you can see that he's just not the goalkeeper he was a year ago or two years ago. So obviously with Gazzaniga a bit sort of more fresher meat coming through, he's going to put a bit of, um, you know, give Lloris a little bit extra to um, to work. But, you know, I think actually, bizarrely, the time away with France would have really helped him because um, I just think he needed to get away from London for a little bit, not, not for too long, but just to have a little bit of a clear mental break because obviously he's had a tough two months, isn't he, really? And especially being that injured and coming back so early, um, a little bit too soon probably for that Barcelona game. I think it would have done him the world of good just to get away with all his France teammates and, you know, all the sort of World Cup winners. They've, they've got a bond for life there. So I think that definitely played a part in him sort of coming back and being back to his best, really. And look, let's put it right. He'll make the odd gaff here and there, but he's the amount of points he's saved Spurs, he, he can afford to do that. And I don't think anyone sort of calling for him to be dropped, you know, as some might have said, you know, when the team was announced, you know, I think that's completely wrong because I think we'll be very hard pressed to find a better goalkeeper than Hugo Lloris. And mm. especially when you consider the law here he's shown to us in those early years when he was here, because he easily could have left and he didn't. And I think out of anyone, we deserve to show him a little bit of law if he does have those little dips. It's good you say that, George, because Kieran Chippier believes Tottenham keeper Lloris is one of the best in the world after making those crucial saves at the weekend. Trippier said, Jace, coming over to you, that Hugo is, for me, one of the best in the world. Year after year, the amount he saves us and the amount of points he saves us as well. So Trippier firmly in George's camp there that he is still one of the best in the world. Where are you on Hugo Lloris, Jace? Because it was a big performance from at the weekend, really stood up, because it's these kind of games that you do need your best players to really come to the thaw, don't you? And in... Lloris, three saves, Jace, three big saves in a game where Spurs weren't playing well. You argue, if, you know, if he isn't in behind the sticks, it could have been a very different result. I, I, I feel with, with Hugo, you've got a top-class goalkeeper that makes world-class saves. We all know Hugo's weaknesses, you know, the, the distribution problems he's, he's had really since day one, hasn't he? And, you know, next Monday we'll, we'll see because mm, he's tended on. to make yeah. the, the errors in, in those really big games, but 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 for me again, if he makes four errors, but you, he has, you know, ten games like he had on Saturday type of thing, then then you're still better off with Hugo Lloris. And 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 uh, we're right. We won't get a better goalkeeper than Hugo Lloris, and he's he's stuck with us through through some bad times. And maybe a little bit of that is as well. He's he's perhaps appreciated what the club have done for him, and particularly the the backing he's had from from Pochettino this year because of the the off-the-field problems that, you know, Pochettino has stuck with him. We don't see what goes on in training every day, but I'm sure he's he's been really supportive of him. I'm sure he's had a lot of support from within the group of players. And I think he, he realises he, he has to pay them back, you know, in in the only way that he can do. And, and that's, you know, we've, we've got to take full advantage of that. But, you know, for me, he's not a world-class goalkeeper anymore. He's a top-class goalkeeper, but he's still capable of making some, some world-class saves. And we saw that on Saturday. For you, Jace, then to kind of get into that category of what you would define as world class, it's a case of just cutting out these these errors and these misjudgments. Yeah, and I think probably at this stage of his career, it's going to be really hard for him to to cut those out. And you know, maybe it's maybe it's something that you need another goalkeeping coach to to get hold of him to do that. And think and Pochettino's not going to change everything like that. So I don't think we'll see Hugo get any better. But he can still be a massive influence for this football club. And and, and and like the boy said, I still think he gets us more points than he costs us. Mm. Sticking with you, Jace, Harry Winks, another performance where you may be saying more in the second half he had more of an influence than the first, but kept the ball moving forward, 
Good to see him again, Jace, fit for another game. You know, these runner games, now, it's great to see Winksy, you know, maintaining, you know, that consistency in playing week in, week out. What did you make of his game overall, Jace? Well, that's, that's what he's needed. He needs to get a really consistent run of games. I think that's only the the 11th or 12th mm, time yeah. he's completed 90 minutes in the Premier League. And, you know, considering he made his debut now, what, two, two and a half seasons ago, it, it's surprising it's still only that low. I, I think with Harry Winks... He's a fantastic little footballer. We know that when he when he's playing, we all know the the benefits he gets to the side. But it's it's like a lot of players. We we need to really give him time to mature. You know, let, let's make a judgment when he's played 70, 80 games. And as I say, it, I think it's only his eleventh or twelfth. So, you know, it's everything at the moment with Harry Winks is promise. There's a hell of a lot of promise, and and we all love watching him and we love the way he's it, you know the the fight in him, particularly in a derby like that. You can see. You know, as the boys were talking about Lamella gets Spurs. He he gets Spurs, obviously through through the through growing up through the system. But let's let's not go too overboard with Harry Weeks. Let's just let him get his fitness, let him get a run of games, let him mature, let him develop as a player, and then then we'll really judge him for me when when you reach 60, 70 games, not not when you reach a dozen. Mm. John, let's come around to you. Give us your take on Harry Winks. And great to see him, you know, having his regular run of games now. Second half, more of an influence than the first. John, what did you make of his overall performance? Yeah, I think he was good. I think that, you know, now he's he's come back into the fold with Tottenham and immediately he's playing for England again. I think it shows that Pochettino and Gareth Southgate obviously both rate him highly as well. And I think he's matured into the player that, you know, we all hoped that he would do. I think obviously there's still there's still the odd crease that needs ironing out in his game. But I think for the age he is and the amount of time he's lost through injury, I think he's about where he should be in terms of his progression. And hopefully he'll be another one of them players like Kane who becomes a mainstay and he sort of comes from nowhere really because you would have said maybe two years ago that or three years ago that Tom Carroll would probably be the next one. Uh, after Ryan Mason in that sort of midfield role, and then obviously Winks has sort of pretty much come from nowhere, and he's uh, he's been a first team player for well, it feels like ages now. But he's a yeah, he's a good little player. I like watching him play. I think the fact that he's a uh, you know he's he's obviously a small small in stature, but he makes a you know a big a big difference when he's on the pitch. I feel he's good at he, he's he's good at bursting through the midfield, which I think is an underrated part of his game. People see him as just a, as a passer. But the amount of times you'll get hold of the ball and he'll go on the charge of it, sort of, kind of, probably a little bit like Dembele, obviously without the same kind of power. But listen, he's a, he's a really good player, and I hope he stays he stays with us and he's given the opportunity via obviously being picked in the team and a lack of injury to show that he can be a really important player for us. And you know, if he does end up doing that, then you know we'll all be happy. We'll have to, you know another uh, academy product running things in, in in the team, and it'd be good to see. I, I really like him; he's a good player. Good yeah. Player. Agree with that. And George, coming over to you, feel free to, you know, lack lyrical about Harry Winks if you want. But I want to bring it to the point, George, I think he was there at the weekend. So West Ham had the ball in the net, but Anatovic was offside before crossing for Chikorito and the goal being disallowed. West Ham in the process, George, let off two flares and a bubble machine for the offside goal. Got to get your thoughts on it, George. Tell us what you think and obviously throw in Harry Winks there if you want to as well. Yeah, just on Harry Winks, he's... Um... You know, like Jay said, he's he's a very good player, and I think we've got to sort of try not to put too much pressure on him. But I think he's got everything there to be to be top top quality, and it, it is just about a, a run of games. And I think this is a big season for him. And if I was Harry Winks, I'd be looking to try and really sort of replace Dembele in a sense because Dembele's out of contract in the summer. 
there's a chance he could leave in January. If if I'm Winks, I'm thinking, you know, I need to make that position my own. I need to keep putting in performances like he did in the second half against Barcelona because I, I felt we turned that game um, for us. But yeah, on the West Ham debacle with their uh, their bubbles, that was absolutely brilliant. I absolutely loved that. You know, it's, it's like I said earlier. I see the flare and I thought, <laughs> I oh God, I see, I see, I see the bubbles and then you see the offside flag and, and then all the Spurs fans were going mental and to be honest, I, I, want, I wanted to jump in with them for like two seconds and then jump back out, but uh, no, I loved it, absolutely loved it. John, I've got to come round to you, great question here from Ian Green, Ian, thanks for this one, he says, do you think the bloke at the spammers ground who's in charge of the bubble machine will get the sack? We have to find out who this gent is, he's made my weekend, hashtag premature bubble problem. <laughs> Well, as I said earlier, the gift that keeps on giving, they're just an absolute fucking state, aren't they, West Ham? <laughs> There's no other way. Oh, <laughs> the fact that they give it all for the big build-up and they say, you know, they say that, you know, I don't know, I, don't, I still don't understand why they, why they hate us so much, but then I suppose if you've got a, a fellow London club who are that much better than you and are qualifying regularly for the Champions League and have a squad full of top players, I suppose you are going to look on enviously, but... They're just, a, they're just an absolute state. They're just embarrassing. I think, that, you know, when they first moved into their council tip, I felt a bit sorry for their fans because they were promised retractable seating and a better view of the pitch and stuff like that. But now I, I couldn't give a fuck about them. They're just, they're just embarrassing. I, listen, that that made that was like better than winning 2-0, that was. I rather would have won 1-0 and had all the players and the premature premature bubble ejaculation, like you said. But, yeah, listen, they're just, they're just a state. I hope they get... Just, I hope they get relegated and I hope they end up playing in front of no one next season in the Championship. But oh, another thing, I, I, I do want to say actually on a on a serious note, I, I don't know what happened with Andrei Yarmolenko, but hopefully it's not going to be really bad injury, yeah. You heard me, you yeah, scream, yeah. Well, when a player goes think... down like that and there's no one around him, you, you do start to worry. <clears throat> you know, we've had plenty of injuries this season and... Um, Hopefully for you, Armelenko, it's not too much too much of a bad one. Mm-hmm. I think it's six months by the sounds of it. Really? So, um, oh, only six. Not not great. <laughs> like, apparently, John. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, John. Jace, go get your thoughts on that on the scenes at the weekend, Jace. I mean, the, the bubble and the and the and the bloody smoke bomb, Jace. Come on, let's have your take on it. Well, in fairness, I'll defend them one little bit because they let the bubbles off every time they. Oh. You know, the bloke probably doesn't bother looking for the flag. And I think it could have been the fourth goal they score against Brighton and he lets his, his bubble machine off. But the, the smoke bomb is, is the enjoyable part, isn't it? That's 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 the bit where the idiot that's thrown that. But, you know, let's, let's be fair. We, we, we return that with a pint of... We return that with a pint of piss we threw at them last year. And then, then we ended up losing 3-2. So, you know, we've made ourselves look a bit foolish in front of them before. And, you know, we were all taking the piss out of them at 2-0 up in that cup tie last night or last year so we've had a we've had a few bad days at their their hands as well mate so you know what goes around comes around sometimes and let's be fair we got to go there in what in, in just over That's a week's it, yeah, time yeah. so mm. let's, let's, let's get that one out of the way before we really go on the on the fun and the gloating machine okay there you go jason as always keeping it calm keep us level-headed now, after the game, Pochettino came out. And, George, we'll come back round to you and we'll get your thoughts on this. I'm not sure if you were there in the post-match press comments where he said Spurs must now look to be active in the upcoming January transfer window and not play with destiny. His words were, we need as a club to try in January 
or in the summer to refresh the squad if he wants to improve. Now, you'd argue, George, there's a clear message there to the hierarchy that he does want Spurs to try and improve this squad. Yeah, I, I was in his, his presser afterwards and um, it was definitely a message. And at the moment, you know, he can do things like that because... All the all the sort of balls are in his call. He, he can dictate what he wants to put out there and what he doesn't want to put out there. And I think Spurs probably could do with a couple of players. Um, in a sense, I kind of like us signing players in January now rather than the summer because, as we've seen with Mora, it gives them half a season just to get sort of accustomed with the training regime. And then the following year, you're going to hope they're going to kick on. So I'd imagine we'll probably sign, or well, hopefully we'll probably sign one or two in January. Um I'd guess one of them will probably be a, a youngster, I'd imagine. Um, and then maybe they might try and sign someone English. Um, so they could even go back in for Grealish, to be fair, to sort of improve that homegrown quota. But mm. you, I think we could do with just freshening up the squad, especially if, you know, I guess, as I sort of mentioned earlier, Dembele, you know, there's, there's question marks over him. He'll have six months on his contract. Toby will be the same. I can't see Toby leaving in January. But I think Dembele, you know, that, that could be a... You know that could potentially be an exit waiting to happen, and if that's the case, you've got you've got to try and replace him. I think one of the reasons we didn't sign people in the summer is because we all probably expected all the very world Rose and and Dembele to go, and none of them did. So it, there was no one to replace because of that. But if if you got any of them going, especially Dembele in the summer, then I think um, I think you probably will see a sign. And I think Spurs probably need need a couple just to refresh it and just to give everyone a little bit of a lift. I'd say. George, thank you very much for that. So, guys, before we move on to PSV, let's take some quick-fire questions. Again, we've had a load come in over this weekend, so I can't thank you enough, guys. As always, if you want to get your questions into us at Last Word on Spurs on Twitter, we always have the question time tweet up on the back of every single game. So just a heads-up for you. OK, John, we're going to come around to you to start the quick-fire questions because we've got to try and squeeze in this PSV preview as well. Um, first question in here from Mike Hunter says... Do we need better fullbacks? Got a quick one on that. What's your thoughts? Well, yeah, I mean, obviously, if we're going to push on, I don't know about in January, but you, I, I would, I'd be very surprised if the four that we've got in place are still there come August or the end or the beginning of September next year. I think it's one of them where you know we're getting to a point now where we need to start. There needs to be a contingency plan going forward because if you look through the spine of our team, if you're talking about Dembele. Alderweireld, Vertonghen, none of them are young spring chickens anymore. And we're going to have to re end up replacing a load of players at once if we don't start doing it gradually. And I think the fullback positions are definitely two of those where that's going to, have to start happening sooner rather than later. If you consider that Rose and Trippier are both 28, um, I think Aurea is 25, Davies 25 as well. So, they, you know, they're not, they're not old players, but for the, the, the high-intensity, high-tempo style that Pochettino wants to play, maybe some fresher, younger legs will come in eventually. But... Yeah, I, w I wouldn't expect that the four fullbacks we've got to still be all be there and all you know vying for a starting position come September 2019. Okay, interesting. Next question goes to you, Jay. This is from the Boxing Madman at the Boxing Madman. He says, "Why does Poch continue playing Davis? Very poor player, in my opinion." Jace, thoughts? Well, if, if Danny Rose wasn't fit, who, who was going to play at left back? It's, it's as simple as that, isn't it? But I mean, we said it, I think, a couple of weeks ago. He's, he's definitely gone backwards to the form that he shows, not last season, the season before. And, and it is a bit of a worry. Ben Davis seems to play a lot better when he's got... He's one of those players that seems to play better when he's got no competition for his place. And as soon as... 
Danny Rose gets himself fit and starts playing games, he, it seems to to affect him. So it, it, it's very strange. His best run of form that we've ever seen from Ben Davies was when Danny Rose was completely injured and he knew he was going to play every single week. So he seems to be scared by the competition for places, or it affects his confidence. But he's, you know, it, it was a very it was a very ordinary performance again from him on on Saturday. And and you know, Kieran Trippier is definitely. He's, He's defending. I think, you know, we all know that his delivery of the ball into the box is great. We know he can take a, a set piece, but he's still, he's, he's actual defending at times is worrying. So I think it's, it's a strange thing that our best defensive performances this year in the fullback roles have actually come from Serge Aurier. And we, we wouldn't have been sitting here saying that 12 months ago. So I think there's, there's question marks over a lot of them. And, and it's why I would really like to see Carl Walker-Peters get a chance in a, in the in the Premier League, not not play a, a, a Carling Cup game or or a, a game in the FA Cup against you know Rochdales and Darlingtons and Wiggins and things like that. I want to see Carl Walker Peters really have a chance to to nail a place down and, and start getting some game time because you know we may well have a really good little fullback in the club already, but we don't know that unless he starts playing games. Okay, next question. Sticking on fullbacks, actually. This is from Chris Brown at Chris Brown 1882. Chris, thanks for your question. Over to you, George, this one. Is Kyle Walker Peters ever going to get a start for Tottenham? Thoughts on that one, George, quickly. I don't know when he will get it. That's, that's the trouble. West Ham in the um, cup, maybe, George? What do you think? See, no, I don't. I, no, not really, because I think either way you'll have, looking at it, it'll probably be Trippier against City, given it will be Aurea against PSV, and then you think you just bring Aurea back in again for that game, and, and left-back-wise, Danny Rose should be fit then, so I'd imagine it'd either start against City or it'll be Ben Davis. so um, it's a tough one for Carl Walker-Peters, I think he's just got to hope that, similar to Harry Winks, you know, because I think sometimes you can forget Harry Winks was a part of the first-team squad for about two <laughs> years, and and played about three minutes, I think. And then all of a sudden, he got his chance and boom, that was it. So, you, from Carl Walker-Peters' point of view, you've got to just hope that Pochettino's seen him doing all the right things around the training ground. And out of nowhere, it'll give him a chance and it'll give him a run of games. Because, you know, we, he has got chances, hasn't he? You know, the two against Newcastle and then obviously Leicester last season. But he needs that run of games to see if he is, if he is good enough, really, for Spurs. And, Although he's had good games when he's played, I think none of us can really judge exactly how good he is until he plays, you know, three or four, five, six on a bounce, really, because that's when we're going to see how good a footballer he is. Okay, interesting. George, sick of me. You have a question here, guys. We're going to try and get through a couple more before we go into PSV. George, this is from the Mac Boy at the Mac Boy. He says, "Yes, well done, Spurs at the weekend. But if we're going to..." compete consistently and also beat the big boys away there's no doubt about it the squad needs tweaking with a few players especially in centre mid holding and creative goal scorer and fixing the Toby centre back situation too to be fair George I think it's exactly what you just said a couple of minutes ago wasn't it <laughs> well, yeah it is it's, you know you bring in you just need to refresh the squad a little bit I think and that sort of creative midfielder you know Grealish could be that player um, potentially if he does come in and Obviously, we need a centre-back. Um, the big question mark I've got is sort of what's going on with, with 1-4, really, mm. because he, he came in and he was you know really highly rated and it seemed like you know, he was one that Pochettino was really looking at as you know, as potentially Toby's replacement when, whenever he did go. And, and we've obviously not seen anything of him. And again, similar to others, sort of loan moves, you know, it seems like leads have been in for him, but it, it's been turned down. So, um, you know, perhaps he, he's not the player Spurs thought he was and, 
and with that in mind, they they might go in for um, for another centre back. I think that, you know over the next you know as John said, I think we'll definitely see changes to the squad over the next twelve months, um, and I'd certainly imagine a, a centre back will come in and. And as you know, as Dembele is almost certainly going to leave, I'd say at some point over the next twelve months, we'll definitely see a centre midfielder. But at the same time, I do hope Harry Winks can be the person to replace Dembele. So I don't necessarily think we're going to need to buy a central midfielder that's going to be starting in our team. I think it could more be a squad player potentially. Okay, interesting. Just a couple more, I promise, guys. Let's go back over to you, Jase, because George mentions there what's happening with Wan Foyth, and this is a question linked to Wan Foyth. This is from. Nate Crooks at NCrooks11, who says, Do you think, Jace, Wanforth could be groomed into a deep-lying midfield position like Dyer? Good with the ball at his feet, defensively minded. Also, Wink's going to be better than Modric? Question mark. <laughs> it's hard to know because we just haven't seen him in a, in a Premier League game at all. So I would think when he first comes into the Premier League, it would be in the position that, he, that he's played in when we have seen him. But... Uh, he certainly can't play in the European games, can he? Because he's not registered. So um, I suppose perhaps we'll find out if 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 we suddenly get a complete injury crisis there, and we lose Sanchez and Toby or something, and and that might be the, his only way in. But it's just too early to tell. We don't know. You know, I think the the, the worry when you see Wan Foyth is always the physicality of him, isn't it? In terms of he looks such a so lightweight, and we always find that he, he, you know, perhaps he needs to put a few bit of of muscle and such on him. But I just don't know, mate. He's been with us what eighteen months now. We we just haven't seen him have one minute of of Premier League time. So you're always concerned when when that's the case. Okay, interesting. And final question of the night. This is over to you, John. This is from Ryan Blackfriar at. Ryan underscore Davis, who says, I won't bitch about grinding out results with a walking wounded squad, but who should we be trying to reinforce the squad in January with realistically, John? The players we're linked to currently are far from desirable in most cases. Any names, John, the top of your head, you'd like to see Spurs maybe delve into the market in January? Jason's loving these kind of questions, of course. <laughs> yeah, well, there's, there's two in particular that I think are, I've got a sense of ine inevitability about them, actually. First one is uh, uh, Tangi and Dombele from Leon. He's a really good player. He's just, you know, he's obviously a name that's been linked with us for a while. And you know, watching a fair amount of um, French football that I do, I, I highly rate him. I think he'd be the perfect player to come in, especially you know, especially if he comes in in January and he's got six months to work within the infrastructure of the squad and maybe learn a bit from Moussa Dembele before he inevitably leaves. You know, maybe that'd be a good one. And the other one I like, I, I like the idea of. Purely because he counts as a homegrown player, he's Nathan Ake at, at Bournemouth. I think he could be a really good Pochettino player. I think he's still only 23. He's a Dutch international. He's a left-sided centre-back, which, you know, considering Jan Vertonghen's 31, you know, that's something that a position that Pochettino is definitely going to have his eye on, you know, getting some covering for pretty soon, I would guess. But other than that, I think it's just, you know, the the same old names really that get banded around and we'll probably end up signing no one again in January but <laughs> if, it, if it was me I would be I think Ndombele and Ake would although they're not maybe the kind of marquee signings that, play, that fans would hope for they are two that would fill some big holes in our squad and, and would get a lot of minutes actually as well and in the case of Ake he's already got you know a lot of Premier League experience and I don't see why 
no disrespect to Bournemouth, but I don't see why he wouldn't want to join Tottenham if given the opportunity. So maybe that would be a goer. But yeah, for me, those two, definitely. There you go. I think just 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 to calm it down, I think with Ndombele, I think, you know, if, if you were him, I can't see us, that's the type of move I just don't see in a January because Leon sell high, don't they, Leon? They, they don't sell on the cheap. And I think a player like that, Leon will just know that if they leave it till the summer, there'll be a queue of clubs. So, you know, it's in their interest to keep hold of him. And if you're his agent, you think, why, why will you go to Tottenham and sign on 80, 90 grand a week when you could be going to, you know, there's, there's about six or seven clubs still come in for you in the summer who'll pay you 140 grand a week. So I think the other and, thing... And if Leon is still in the Champions League as well, there's, there's that part to it. So, I mean, I mean, I like him, but I just look at that and think there's no way that's a January deal. And perhaps we missed the trick by not signing him in the, the summer that's just gone. Yeah, that's a fair point. I think the other thing, Jay, as well is, you know, I remember Jean-Michel Aulas, who's the, the he's in, the man in charge at Leon. I remember him saying less than complimentary things about negotiating deals with Daniel Levy, didn't he, in the yeah, past? So exactly. maybe that would be another sticking point in that deal. But you know, if it could be done, I definitely, I'd definitely like that to get to happen. Really. There you go. Wait, wait and see. It'll be difficult, mm. though. It will be. No, that will be difficult because there's so many clubs, John. He's a top quality player. I mean, you see him. He's almost like Dembele times 10. You know, he's got the he's got the goals. He looks like a fabulous player. We'll have to see. There's so much to wait and see with Spurs in the transfer window. We don't want to get into that goal. We could be here for another entire show. We're going to try and cram in PSV. So I'll tell you what, let's start with you, George, because they're in a rich vein of form. George, do you want to tell us their form got at the moment? Because I think at the moment they are really looking good, PSV. Yeah, we um, we spoke about this off air, didn't we, before we recorded? So nine games in the Eredivisie and you know nine wins, so it's uh, pretty frightening. But I guess the flip side of that is they obviously got spanked by Barcelona and then they lost at home to Inter Milan. So obviously European wise, they're, they're the exact same boat as us. So um, it is a um, it's a massive game, isn't it? Really on on Wednesday, if it, if we don't win that, I think that's it. Now it's our chance over. But it you know whilst whilst we're going into Wednesday, I still think we've got a decent chance of going through because you know if we can win these two games and it's not going to be easy but if we can then it basically sets up a winner takes it all against Inter doesn't it on the um, yeah, yeah, yeah. back at Wembley so uh, you know I think over the last 12 months we've definitely matured as a side when it comes to going away you know we went away to Juventus and were brilliant for 8 minutes we won in Dortmund before so there's no doubt that this team and this squad is good enough to go to PSV and win it's just what team and what performance we're going to produce on the day but I don't know, I've got a weird feeling that this is going to be the game when we really click and I feel like we might send a bit of a message, I'm, I'm hoping anyway on Wednesday night, by getting a very good win and it'll just be a little bit of warning to everyone that you know this is the time when Spurs kick on and, and that'll be the first performance of hopefully many good ones over the next couple of months. Mm. It's against a very good PSV side there, George, you mentioned as well. There are no mugs at the moment, they're in really good form and coming over to you, Jace, I mean, this particular game... As we've mentioned there with PSV, they're a good side, but Spurs, we have to win, don't we? To stand any chance, you'd say, of, you know, looking to qualify from this group, we have to beat PSV both home and away, and have to beat Inter 2, and we may need to even pick it up at Barcelona, Jace. Well, that's that's the, that's the that's what you worry about, because I think they've got, what, the, the, the Barca-Madrid game is at the weekend, isn't it? Messi's just gone off with a broken arm. And, and you worry that, that Inter will be able to capitalise on that and Barca may rest 
one or two players and, and you know, let's be fair, Barcelona without Messi is entirely different to the to the side that we face. So that that's the worry that we'll go to PSV, we'll get a result and then we'll come off the pitch and find that Inter have got something with from that Barcelona game and but you know, we can only concentrate on our own game, can't we? And and PSV are in great form in the league, but you've got to take you've got to look at it and say you've played two, lost two conceded six in the Champions League so it's the wooden spoon derby and uh, let's hope we give them the wooden spoon mate but uh, you know do, do you the other weird thing is do you want to finish third or do you want to finish fourth in the group anyways well, that's the thing, isn't let's, it? Let's, let's, let's be positive I think we have to go there get the result get the win bring them back to, to Wembley try and get back onto six points ourselves as quickly as possible and then see what the position is there going forward Yep. But I think we will go there and win. I, I expect us to go there and win, I must admit. There you go. Well, let's come around to you then, John, because as we've said there, good PSV side, Spurs, you know, you'd argue right, we haven't hit our form. George reckons we're going to see it in this one coming up. And as we've mentioned there, there's no Messi for Barcelona now for a while. And it's just typical, isn't it, the fact that he'll probably recover in time to play us but miss all of the subsequent games against the teams that we need him to play, John. Well, yeah, I mean... I, the thing is, right, I, I'll, I'll throw this at you. I've done my research on this. So, since 2010, Messi has missed uh, 60, 61 games. In that time, Barcelona, without Messi, have won 49 games, drawn six, lost six. So, I'm not giving up all hope that mm. they won't be in just because Messi's not playing because, obviously, yeah. they've got a bloody good record without him as well. I think it forces them to play a little bit differently and I, I still expect Barcelona to... Want to do us a favour, you know? They want to do themselves a favour and get through the group as soon as they can. But you know, and if that obviously if they beat Inter twice, then they're already through, which is what they'll be aiming for. So I'm not too worried about what what happens there. But yeah, we need we you know, obviously you know unless we win, sort of the writing sort of on the wall. It's either going to be Europa League after Christmas or nothing. So like Jay said, I'm not sure what I'd prefer really out of those two. But listen, we'll find out a lot about our team on Wednesday. Whether whether we really want to. You know, whether they actually believe we can stay in this Champions League campaign. Because if, you know, like I say, if not, we're pretty much dead already. Mm, I mean, Pochettino's come out and said that if we can't beat PSV, then we can't even deserve to have the, the title of being you know, contenders for the Premier League. He says, if we want to grow, if we want to be competitive, if we want one day to be close to winning, to cope with pressure in football. When you play for a win, you need to learn how to manage this kind of pressure. He says, this is our third Champions League game in a row. Oh, sorry, third Champions League, obviously, season in a row. One at White Hart Lane, three times at Wembley. We are ahead of the project, miles ahead. Four and a half years ago, when they offered me the Tottenham job, the idea was to build a team for the Champions League. In the moment, we, in the moment, we arrive in the new stadium. Now, George, big words there from Pochettino. You know, saying the players have to take the responsibility, almost putting the pressure on Spurs here to go out and show teams we are capable of handling the pressure of going to win when we need to, John. Uh, sorry, where we need to, George, in this one. Yeah, well, do you know the last time he done, he said similar sort of comments and he sort of challenged the players? Go for it, go on. Surprise us. Man, Man United, and we won 3-0. Ahead of that, I remember him saying, and I remember being very surprised by the quotes. I think he must have been speaking after the um, we in the Fulham game and his comments were something like, you know, if we want to win titles and we see ourselves as that sort of club, then we need to go to Old Trafford and win. We can't just be happy going there and performing well. And I remember feeling at the time, bloody hell, you know, it's only our third game of the season. We ain't got to put that much pressure on ourselves. But, you know, the players responded then. And I think he's right, you know. He obviously knows this squad better than anyone. and He knows what's going to get them going. And maybe that is what they need. They need to be told that they're too good 
to be playing PSV and they're too good to be playing in the Europa League and and hopefully the players respond and I think with the um, with the Barca games coming up I, I don't think we need to worry too much about them because if Barca lose to Inter Milan then it puts themselves in a bit of a tricky position and by the sounds of it they want to go very very far in the Champions League this year and they feel like they've let themselves down so I'd be confident them beating Inter twice over these next two match days and if we can do the business with PSV and I fully expect us to do that. Then hopefully it won't all be um, won't all be lost, and we we haven't got to worry about Thursday nights. Okay. Well, George, I stick with you then. Let's get team wise expected change you're going to make and a prediction from you, please, George. Team wise, I'd imagine Dembele and Eriksson will both start. Um, uh, Serge Aurier probably will too, I'd say. And we've not had any news on Danny Rose, but I think they did say he was going to return to training this week. So. You know, perhaps this one will come a bit too soon for him, so probably Davis. But I think it'll be a strong team. Um, I don't think Lamella will start, unfortunately, just because of the managing side of things. But I'd imagine, you know, you bring in Ericsson, you play Dembele, you know, Kane will be up front, probably Sonny will come in and start. And um, I go with a, um, I'm confident, I'm going to go with 3 1 Spurs, I think. 3 1 Spurs there from George. Okay, let's go over to you then, John. So, same from you, please. Team selection, what you're expecting, John, and a prediction. I think in terms of team selection, I think I'd be surprised if it's not exactly what George just said, to be honest. I think Aurier comes in for me just because we've got to manage the time that the fullbacks are going to be playing. Um, yeah, hopefully Ericsson and Dembele come in, but they they worry me a little bit, PSV, because they've got the, you know, they could be another one of them. It's no easy games in Europe. I know it's a cliche, but it's true. And if you consider that they've won nine out of nine in the Eredivisie this year in the top of the league, I think it's going to be more difficult than we think. So, I think we're going to win 3-0. 3-0, there you go. I tell <laughs> confidence here at the moment. You wouldn't think that we haven't clicked yet, the way you boys are going. Jace, let's come round to you. Let's get your thoughts, Jace. Team selection and prediction, please. Jace can't believe it. He's in, he's in complete shell shock by you boys so far. He can't take it. Jace? Sorry, mate. I think Dembele comes in probably for Moussa Sissoko. And I think uh, Ericsson probably comes in for for Eric Lamella just purely for the for the management of of Lamella's fitness. And then Aurier, I, I expect to come in because Lozano actually looked quite quick in the World Cup, didn't he? And I think they'll want his pace up against Hervé Lozano. So, but I expect us to go there, and I think we'll. I might even go two nil. Two nil. I tell you, yeah, I'll go for it two nil. Two nil. I'll make it a full house. Let's go for two nil as well. I tell you what, at the moment then, lads, full out across the table, Spurs continuing the Champions League. Can we still do it then, do we believe? Do we still believe we can do it, Jace? Just to finish up, can we still qualify for this group, Jace? Yeah, well, I think we can beat PSV twice and I think we can beat Inter Milan at home. And then it's, it's you know, you're relying on other teams doing you a favour, can't you? And then, you know, the ideal scenario is we can send the kids to Barcelona in match day six <laughs> with, with, with qualification already in the bag, mate. There you go. Confidence, the boy. Carl Walker Peters. There we go. We want to see Carl Walker Peters so he can play against Neymar <laughs> in the in the new camp and, and do us all a favour. Okay, quick one, John, George. Yes or no answers. Are we going to qualify, George, from this group? We're going to do it, and I think it'll be a special night at Wembley when we do against Inter. There you go. Heard it first. And John, let's finish up with you. Come on. Only right we close the show with John Mannings. Come on, John. I think I think yes, and we're going to do it with a point in the new camp. Yeah, you got a point in the new camp. That's the maturity and the brainness of this Tottenham side. Doing it the hard way since 1882. John, thank you as always for coming back on. We've loved the one-liners as always. 
Oh, nice one, mate. Thanks for having me. Don't it's been a silly. pleasure. Pleasure. George, thank you for coming back on the show. There's no doubt, George, I promise you we'll get you on again this season. Oh, thanks so much, mate. I've really enjoyed it. Thanks for having me on. No problem. It's been a pleasure. Been a pleasure. Sorry, guys, it's been such a long show. There's been so much to cram in. And, Jace, thank you for coming back. We have missed you, Jace, even though you've missed, maybe missed us. No, I haven't missed you one little bit. So, uh, <laughs> I've got another three weeks next week, mate. That's all right. <laughs> there you go. The brilliant Jason McGovern back on our show. And boy, do we love him. Well, guys, enjoy the show. We're going to be back to review the PSV game live on Love Sport Radio. That's right. Love Sport Radio. Myself, Jason and Jamie from the Daily Hotspur coming your way on Thursday night to review the PSV game. Hopefully talking about a Spurs win. And as always, come on you Spurs. <laughs> Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.